Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is People Every Day. Coming up, a ninth person has now died as a result of injuries incurred at Astroworld Festival in Houston. Inside this news and how rapper Travis Scott is reacting to the ongoing tragedy. Plus, taking you inside last night's Country Music Association Awards. It's November 11th. Hi there. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. It is Thursday, and kicking off with a new update to the shooting incident on Alec Baldwin's Rust set. We've learned that the actor and producer is now being sued by a gaffer who worked on set. Serge Spetnoy, who was the chief of lighting on the film, filed a lawsuit against Baldwin. The film's producers, armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, and assistant director Dave Halls on Wednesday. Spetnoy alleges that all parties named in the lawsuit failed to implement and maintain, quote, industry standards for control over firearms used on the movie set. Now, he was not physically injured when Baldwin fired the gun that had a live round fatally shooting cinematographer Helena Hutchins, but Spetnoy alleges in the complaint that he was close enough that, quote, discharge materials from the blast struck him directly. Hmm. Well, who knows if he will be the last to make such claims. No word yet on responses from Baldwin or the others. All right. As many of you may already know, the 2021 Country Music Association Awards were last night. And let me tell you, there were some show-stopping performances, but don't take my word for it. Because today, we're not only talking to someone who was at the ceremony, we're talking to someone who received an award. My colleague, our very own Sarah Michelle, who is a senior news editor here and has helped lead our country music coverage at People for years, went home with the 2021 CMA Media Achievement Award last night. That's huge news. Hi, Sarah. Congratulations. Hi. Thank you so much. Super exciting. Let's talk about you first, because I don't care about anything else until I get <laughs> your news. What was it like? Did you know uh, who gave you the award? I want to know all the details. Um, I did not know. Um, I knew there was a chance. I was nominated with four other people. But yeah, no, I was working backstage last night, and our TV show was there as well. Um, and Nancy and Jeremy from our TV show told me I needed to uh, come down for an emergency in the People TV booth, which was not quite the case because when I got there, my favorite country duo, Brothers Osborne, was there to surprise me with the award. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, now that you gave us a a sneak peek of the behind the scenes world of the CMAs, tell us what it was like being in the crowd. I know uh, they are not quite like any other award show, so can you describe the energy of being there? Sure. I mean, I feel like the country music community is... A little bit different in that they are just, they, they call themselves a family often. And I think you definitely see that mm-hmm. in the award show nights because everyone is cheering for everyone else. Almost everyone gets a standing ovation. Um, and you saw that a lot last night. 
it's it's a lot of energy. It's also nice because they have the um, celebrities, the stars on the floor, and then they do sell tickets for the rest of the arena so that they have actual country fans that are there for the show. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> there are a lot of, of cowboy hats and shingles and all of that in the crowds when you pan out. It's so cool. So, so now let's talk the music award part. Who were some of the big winners of the night? Also, I'm always curious, did you notice any snubs? As far as snubs, I don't know that there were really very many. There were just a few categories that were considered toss-ups just because mm-hmm. it was, the talent was so strong in each one. Um, I would say new artist. We had Gabby Barrett. We had Jimmy Allen, Ingrid Andress, just a lot of really great people that the award really could have gone either way. And Jimmy Allen did end up taking that home. Um, and then same with female vocalists. We had Ashley McBride. We had Carly Pierce. We had Miranda Lambert. Um, Marin Morris. You know, I love me some Miranda and some Marin. Of course. Those are my two M's right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Gabby Barrett. Uh, Carly Pierce did end up taking that one home. So I feel like it was um, just a a very, the categories were very deep this year. It really could have been anyone's. Good music coming out of that pandemic year. So talk about Chris Stapleton. He pretty much swept the night. Male vocalist of the year, album of the year, song of the year. Uh, just so many. It's Chris. I mean, he has he has a, a, a duet with Adele coming up. So he just he won life, actually. Yes. And he's actually on uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift's Red, the one of the songs from The Vault that comes out tomorrow. He's on one of those as well. So he's got wow. two pretty major collaborations coming yeah. out pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. So something else we have to talk about are a few of last night's biggest moments, like host Luke Bryan dropping a quick joke at the expense of Aaron Rodgers' vaccination status. So let's just listen to that. And it is so great to be here with all my fellow artists, tested and together. Or immunized. (laughs) Well, the quip definitely got mixed reactions. What's your commentary on this one? And, and, And maybe share a few of your favorite moments. That is definitely the moment that went viral last night, if any, um, because when he made that joke, they panned to Carrie Underwood and her husband, um, former Predators player Mike Fisher, who the day before had um, posted an Instagram post supporting Aaron Rodgers, which is the where the immunized joke is coming from. Uh, mm-hmm. So they did quickly pan to Carrie, who kind of gave a little side eye, looked at her husband. Um, so that was very funny. As far as my my favorite moments, I think Jimmy Allen's win was very emotional. First, I want to thank my father, who's no longer with us, for introducing me to country music. Anytime uh, someone tears up, I just it just gets me right in the heart. Yeah. Um, obviously, T.J. Osborne, that was a huge moment. He has just come out as gay publicly in February, and this is um, his first big award since that had happened. Uh, he won Duo of the Year with his brother, John. Um, and when they won, they each, John kissed his wife, Lucy, and T.J. kissed his boyfriend, Abby. Um, and then yeah. as they went on stage, uh, he he spoke about that. It's been a crazy roller coaster of a year for us in so many ways, especially for me emotionally. And to have you all support me, it really does feel like love wins tonight. They were giving him a standing ovation. Everyone's support really yeah. feels like love wins tonight. What about the performances? So what were your highlights? For me, I really liked um, Mickey Guyton and Brittany Spencer with newcomer Madeline Edwards singing Mickey's song, Love My Hair. I use the thing. 
Um, they had been introduced by Faith Fennedy, who um, we previously covered on People. She is a black student who was sent home from school after she wore her hair in braids. Mm. Um, and the, the performance, they all had beautiful afros and it was just a really nice celebration of natural hair. I saw that picture. Yes, I saw that picture of Jeremy on the carpet with them. Gorgeous, gorgeous. They looked like just muses. Yes. (laughs) Um, I really liked the medley that Miranda Lambert opened the show with. She really showed why she's a force. Um, And then Jennifer Hudson, who did a few Aretha Franklin songs and that was joined by Chris Stapleton later in the show. She was great. Unexpected, but wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Well, congratulations again to the winner I am most excited about, Sarah. I'm so proud of you and all the work you've been doing here. And thank you for taking us into the show. Thank you so much. Next up, People.com Managing Editor Charlotte Triggs takes me into what we've learned about how Travis Scott is dealing with the grief and backlash after his Astroworld Festival tragedy. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I am back now to dig into this next one. Tomorrow marks one week since the Astroworld Festival tragedy in Houston. Today we learned the death toll has climbed to nine, as it's been announced that 22-year-old Texas A&M student Barthi Giannan has succumbed to her injuries after spending days on a ventilator. She was one of the many in the crowd last Friday when there was a deadly surge of bodies during headliner and concert organizer Travis Scott's performance. Since that day, the rapper, along with concert organizer Live Nation, have been named in numerous civil lawsuits filed by concert goers and families of of the victims. Scott has also come under fire for possibly encouraging rowdy behavior in the crowd that night and for continuing to play as the emergency unfolded. Over the weekend, Scott addressed the incident, saying that he's absolutely devastated by what happened, that he had no idea how severe the situation was, and that he'd pay for the funeral costs of the victims. Sources tell people that he is absolutely devastated and that he's deeply distressed by the narrative that's developed that he's to blame. So today, his lawyer released a statement speaking to some of that, writing in part, there has been multiple finger pointing, much of which has been by city officials who have sent inconsistent messages and have backtracked from original statements. So there is a lot to unpack here. And I am joined by my favorite unpacker, People's Mm -hmm. Charlotte Trigg. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, Janine. How are you? I am good. I am good. Well, we've been in touch with sources close to Travis Scott. So what have they told us about how he's holding up? Yeah, so he's very much distraught and has apparently been in tears, actually crying for days on end. I mean, he... You know, people in his circle swear up and down he had no idea what was happening Mm -hmm. and certainly would have stopped the show if he had known that there was anything happening you know what I mean like so they're they very much are trying to indicate that it's like he had no idea what was happening and is 
hideously distraught over the fact that multiple people died, including really young people. Kylie's distraught, too. And it's like, according to the source, this is the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to either of them, keeping in mind that they're both very young. I mean, it's probably more a very traumatic thing. Like, most people haven't experienced something of this magnitude. But that she's doing everything she can to keep his spirits up. But that during a time like this, that's really almost impossible because it's just so horrible. It's so horrible. And she, she's pregnant, too. And and that, I, I mean, you're, you know, you have to manage that and, and your emotions with that as well. Well, his, his lawyers are speaking to the fact that they feel this narrative has become one-sided and that Scott couldn't have known how bad the crowd situation was. So what else did they say? I mean, they're basically um, taking issue. Okay, there was this press conference yesterday that the police did mm-hmm. where the police pretty much it appears like they've decided to throw Travis under the bus and bl- and pretty much blame him, you know what I mean, um, for mm. what happened. And unfortunately for him, he's a bit of an easy target because of his past behavior. In other mm-hmm. concerts, um, he was actually charged for um, allegedly inciting a riot by like telling people mm-hmm. to disobey orders by security guards and to rush the stage. Yeah, he pled he pled guilty. He pled guilty to those charges. Um it was, you know, he was in the moment on the stage and and he has this kind of mosh pit uh, culture that he brings out in his concerts and, you know, he's not the only one. Of course, we've seen that in rock concerts for years. Um but that is something that got him in the hot seat before. I mean, okay, you can see it both ways, right? Like, the police yeah. are probably like, you've done this before. You never should have been doing it. It's a crime. And, you know, now look at what happened. On the other hand, if you're him, you're probably like, I do this at all my concerts and nothing ever happened. And they're and they're going back and forth on, you know, these protocols. Because uh, I think one of the things that the lawyers are kind of calling out is that there's conflicting statements coming from Houston police chief Troy Fenner, who is saying like, you know, you cannot just close when you've got 50,000 or over 50,000 individuals. We have to worry about rioting, riots when you have a group that's that young. And then later, um, he said the responsibility to stop the show falls on Travis. So, you know, who was at fault in terms of not stopping when things started to get out of hand? Was it the police? Um, Because there were a lot of police there um, and a lot of private security there as well in the crowd. Um, Or, you know, was it Scott's to just, you know, turn off the music? No matter what, the breakdown in communication is just insane to to have him not even know, you know, and to go to an after party. And not even know that people had died. Like, where where did the... It seems to me, Janine, like there's something like almost wrong with the whole process. Like something mm-hmm. has, is missing here. Like, you know, the way that if you were having an award show, you would have someone who's the executive producer who's like in a control room and knows exactly what's happening everywhere and can like... Kill, you know, kill the feed, can like tell the person to stop yeah. doing something, who's in charge. I don't know that there's any one person who's in charge of an event like this. It's so sprawling and so massive. Actually, several people on our staff knew people who were in attendance. And yeah. some of them say that because of where they were located on the grounds of the, they the didn't festival, even know. Yeah. that they didn't know. But other people, we had um, our morning editor, Robin Merritt, had a, had a friend who was in attendance who felt like her life was in danger and she had to like get out of there because she started just being really pressed up against the barricades. You know what I mean? So it really, I think it, it really depends where you were. 
where you were. And, and it's such a huge space. So yeah, like you said, like, even in our, our morning meeting, um, you know, one of our colleagues was sharing that, you know, her friend had to find out kind of like Travis Scott, mm-hmm. after she got home, that all of this had happened, and she was there. So so I think one point that we have to make is that this isn't, you know, Travis Scott's first time courting danger. And we touched on this at his shows. But just to be specific, in 2015, police arrested Scott a few minutes into his performance at Chicago's Lollapalooza Festival and charged him with disorderly conduct, saying he was encouraging fans to rush the stage and defy security measures. In 2017, as I said, he pleaded guilty to inciting a riot at a show in Arkansas. So has there been any sense of accountability for that part of it from his team? Like, are are they worried about criminal charges when it comes to, you know, the fact that he has had that precedent? Have they confirmed that in any way? It's so interesting because it's like, I think that there's the criminal element of it and then there's the civil element of it. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's he has, in fact, lawyered up, right? He's got a lawyer. But I wonder, it's like, I really feel like this is going to be one of these unfortunate, unsatisfying situations where nobody can ever figure out who's criminally to blame for this. Mm. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. also um, involved in the production of it all. Like, does he have any liability there? I think that it's much more a question of, like, civil liability and damages that people are going to be held to account for rather than anybody being able to be pinpointed as criminally liable. And he does. I mean, there's, like, everybody's putting together their, like, video collections trying to paint the picture of what they think is happening, right? Like, there's Mm -hmm. a video of... I think there's like a video like a body being moved out and it looks as though Travis can see it. But people close to him, like I said before, insist that it's like with the crazy flashing lights in the dark, like he doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is what the person's telling him in his earpiece in a a venue like that. So it's like I mean, which which is which is which is very like plausible and if you've ever been on a stage and you look out into a massive crowd it's like almost no one's there except for maybe that very front row and and i we should note that this isn't the first time like we were talking about similar events in the past and honestly they're kind of hard pressed to find but they have happened in 1979 11 people were killed in a crush of people at the who's concert in cincinnati Ohio. And in 2000, nine people died in a stampede during Pearl Jam's performance at a music festival in Denmark. And all three of these incidents feel similar in a few ways. The victims were young. There were insufficient crowd control measures and performers all say they felt haunted by this for the rest of their careers. So so do you think this will change how Scott performs? I mean, I think, yes. It's like, I'm not, I mean, I would I would even wonder if this changes, like, if he performs again. You know what I mean? Like, Ugh. when something this horrible happens and when it's, like, when people, rightly or wrongly, believe that it's your fault and that you caused it, I, you know, uh, it, yeah. there's so much there's so much there. There's so much horror to it. I, I'm, you yeah. know, who knows what will happen. I'm sure that there's a way for him to recover. But, yeah, I think absolutely this is not going to be the vibe of a concert that he participates in ever again. That was People.com Managing Editor Charlotte Triggs on the ongoing investigation surrounding the tragic deaths of eight people who attended Travis Scott's Astroworld Festival last week. For more on this story, head over to People.com. And now, something to make you smile. In honor of Veterans Day, we take a moment to salute the men and women who have fought for this country. And today, we spotlight a group who connects veterans with man's best friend, 
Semper Fee Service Dogs is a nonprofit organization that rescues shelter dogs, then trains them to be of service to veterans at no charge. Led by retired vet Ryan Onda, the team advocates for those who suffer with mental health challenges such as PTSD. Jack Lord often has flashbacks from his days on the battlefield in Iraq, but now says his life has changed since he united with his new pooch, Sazi. Here's what he told today about how she's improved his world. She's there to help me with anxiety. Uh, she's there to, to, to be my buddy. Dogs really do make everything better, and I just want to send out a thank you for your service to all veterans and definitely to my grandpa, who is one as well. All right, I will talk to you all tomorrow.